sight. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. On 95.5 WSB. Ooh, it's one degree warmer. Started the show an hour ago. It was 47 degrees. Now it's 48 degrees. A little bit of a warm up to 52 today. So bundle up if you need to be out. I hope you plan to be out. Um, I, myself, after the show, will be out with the Marietta Tree Keepers. I'm really excited. They do a free tree giveaway uh, once a year to bring attention to Georgia Arbor Day, which is actually next Friday. But they're going to be at the Farmer's Market on the Marietta Square. They're going to have their own tent and all of that from 9 to noon today. Free tree event. They're going to have swamp chestnut oaks, red bud, red cedar, some bald cypress, which that's a great evergreen to consider um, or conifer rather than a Leland cypress if you're looking for that large screening tree, privacy tree, a bald cypress. And that's the ones that you kind of see bronzing now. You think, oh, no, they died because uh, they're, you know, needled and they're supposed to be green, but they're bronze, they're brown, and they're not dead. They're they're just really cool. They do that. Um, I'll be there right after the show hanging out with them. And they've got over 150 members, the Marietta Tree Keepers. They've planted over 5,000 trees around the city. So really cool stuff on the Marietta Square, part of the farmer's market today. Um, and then Trees Atlanta is giving out... Uh, saplings next week. The city of Holly Springs, they are as well. So be on the lookout for your local municipality, maybe doing some stuff uh, for Georgia Arbor Day as well. So we're talking about critters. We're talking about that owl that shut down the Agnes Scott School Library for about a week and they couldn't get this barred owl out. And so we're talking uh, to all of you, hearing your critter stories that maybe at the time they were not funny at all. Now you can laugh at them a little bit that the critter is gone. And Ramona and Snellville, we just talked about, um, you know, taking care of your gardenia. You thought it was affected by the Christmas freeze. Don't do much to it now. But you had a critter story, too. So we had an old wooden ladder, and we had, like, a little hole in, like, the opening going up into the attic. Because uh-huh. I had an outside cat, and I didn't know you know, what kind of disease he may have. I already had, had a cat inside. So he would jump in that hole and go in there and stay warm. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, um, when he wasn't up in there, a mom's girl went up in there and had her babies in there. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, was, could, that was risky on the squirrel's part. We could not get up in there to get them out, so we had to wait. To all the little babies came down one by one on that ladder, and they were gone. Wow. Did they climb down the ladder themselves? Like, did the mom squirrel show the babies how to do it? Well, she would come down, you know, in one in her mouth one by oh. one when they were old enough. Wow. But they, they were, <laughs> there were four babies. Oh, my gosh. My mom yeah. had baby raccoons born in her uh, attic. And you could hear them, you know, scratching around and running around and squeaking. And, oh, my gosh. I mean, hey, animals are smart. They're opportunistic, looking for a warm spot. Yeah, that's not all. We had a raccoon get up there. And you know how big raccoons can get. Yeah. I looked up and I said, oh, my gosh, this is raccoon. (laughs) But... (laughs) When you look up there and you have a set of eyes looking back at you, usually not a yeah. good thing. <laughs> and it didn't come out right away. No. It got out there the same way the squirrel got, you know, with that wooden ladder. The wooden ladder is totally gone. Now. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would, after three different types of uh, critters, I would go ahead and remove that too. Yeah. Well, Ramona, thanks for calling and weighing in on that. So, not much to do about the gardenia now. I promise. I really have a good feeling it's going to rebound. All right. I hope so. I've, I've, 
you know, planted them many years ago, so I'd hate to lose them. But thank you so much. Enjoy your show and have a good weekend. You too. So appreciate the story. My gosh, I love our critters, but I think I love them from a distance for sure. <laughs> Up next is Kathy calling from Cherokee County. Hey, Kathy, good morning. Hi, I'm in Eastern Cherokee. Uh, we have woods near our house uh-huh. in the back. And it used to be rural, but now we're being, uh, you know, houses built everywhere. Yeah. Years ago, when my kids were small, we were sitting there in the spring, and I was sitting in the living room, and I looked up, and a little flying squirrel came down the <laughs> chimney and came right into the living room. And I go, what in the, what's going on? <laughs> and apparently, it would get up and, and it jumped to the roof and just went down the hole in the chimney. Um, and so we had to figure it out how to get it out because it had teeth. It's a cute little thing and very small, but they have teeth and they have nails, you know. So the so flying ones, figured, it's almost like when they extend their arms out, they have all that extra skin where their little arm meets yeah, their body, just right? Keep going, yeah, and it fell into the chimney. <laughs> and it was, a, yeah, and it's cute, but, uh, I figured out, well, let's put a towel, a small towel over it. And then I picked it up and walked it out on the deck and let it go. So on the first try, you got the towel over it? No, it took a little <laughs> while. I was going to say, I that's impressive. Re- perfect that because <laughs> it wasn't the first, it was the first time. And then there was one other instant where another one came in that, I knew what to do then, so it didn't take me long. Yeah, yeah, you're but like, this yeah, is old it was hat. unusual, but I had never seen flying squirrel before close up. So I still haven't really. either, and I think yeah, they're like typically smaller than a regular. Squirrel. Oh, they're smaller and cuter. They're Aww. really cute, but they're yeah, and they're, the woods around here are disappearing because so many houses are being built. Yeah, I know exactly what you're but, talking about. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it's, we're on a kind of a ridge. Mm-hmm. The high ridge, and we have a lot of birds. So I feed them all winter from about, you know, the coldest part of winter plus all the way up to about May every year. And I've been doing it for 15 years, and I like to watch the birds. I've learned how to listen, and I know which birds are by their sounds now. Oh, yeah. And we have, yeah, several uh, large predator birds here. So, you know, we we have a lot of birds. Yeah, I know the sounds, the screeching of those uh, red-shouldered hawks, for sure, and yeah. blue jays, too. I heard a blue jay the other day, and I just knew I couldn't see him, but I knew he was around somewhere. They're they're very oh, yeah. distinct. Then you have little, uh, you know, birds like uh, the land, ones that like to pick out on, on the grass or the wood, on the wood, in the woods, on the floor. Yeah. And those, and, and then just everything else. And we put out like eight. Bluebird boxes. Oh, I love it. Across, so it's and lovely. They're so beautiful now because there's no leaves on the trees. So when you kind of look in your backyard area, you can see that bright blue up against just bare trees. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. And when, every so often you'll get uh, some of the goldfinches when they're starting to turn yellow mm-hmm. next to some red cardinals and some bluebirds at the uh, suet cakes. All the primary that's colors. Pretty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're all set. Get those bird feeders filled for next weekend and sit out there for 15 minutes and do what you always do, but count the birds for the great backyard bird count. Yeah. Easy peasy, I'll tell you, Kathy. Like, I'm going to talk more about that next weekend, but there's three different ways to do it with this great backyard bird count. You can go on the website uh, for uh, the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. They have a website, which I'll share in just a little bit. And there's two different apps you can use, too, on your smartphone. One is called eBird. 
and the other is called Merlin Bird ID. Both those apps are free. You can use either one. The Merlin Bird ID app, I think, is a little bit more helpful for amateurs. Um, because it helps you with the identification. But if you have the eBird app, that one you pretty much know the birds you're looking at. You can just count them, count them, count them over 15 minutes uh, as they visit the feeder, the different varieties, and how many, take a tally of how many cardinals you see, how many bluebirds you see. I think that's awesome. There's nothing better than coming home after a stressful day, sitting out on the back deck, and watching the birds. I am all with you, Kathy. Thank you so much for the call. Good story about the flying squirrel. Forgot about those guys. 404-872-0750. Up next, Rachel calling from Tucker. Hey, good morning. Good morning. I have a lot of iron plant that I just really love, but mm-hmm. it was severely damaged. Do I need to shear it down like I do my Lariope? If the look of it's bothering you right now, you could you know, selectively trim out some of the brown leaves. Now, if they're all brown, Rachel, and and I and I guarantee it's probably not dead. Those things spread through rhizomes, you know, which are down underneath the ground, and they're probably going to be fine once they start getting new spring growth. But if you need to just really knock them all back and let them re-sprout, I would wait until about April to do that. But just selectively pruning out some of the dead leaves now because they're ugly, you could certainly do that mm-hmm. now. But wait until about April. Yep. If Yeah, if new growth is slow and you're still just looking uh-huh. at a mound of brown leaves and nothing else, wait till April. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, you're so welcome. Cast iron plants. My gosh, I think it's Aspidistra uh, is the Latin name there. But those are great for shady areas. They can take all kinds of abuse, right? They're very drought tolerant. Uh, they like the shade. They're not invasive at all, but they spread from rhizomes, so the clumps will continue to grow. Um, I think they're also referred to by some as barroom plants, just because if you have them indoors, uh, they can withstand, you know, air quality that's not that great. Uh, so you think of setting up in a bar, you know, with cigarette smoke and God knows what else. I mean, those those little guys are pretty tough. Um, very easy to split the rhizomes and share, divide them and all of that, just like you would hostas or anything else. Um, but if you're thinking of something, you know, for a shady area that's just you can neglect, a cast iron plant may really be. They're in the lily family, but they don't flower. Um, but they can really be kind of a, a beautiful, nice, leafy plant to look at. So, yeah, great, great question, Rachel. Thank you. I'm going to be talking to Jennifer and Decatur about mockingbirds, Joseph and Buford, about a sago palm and another critter story. Can't wait to hear it from Stuart. And you can call and weigh in as well. 404-872-0750. We'll be right back. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. Well, thank you, nice lady. Great garden advice. Listen to her. 404-872-0750, the number you can call to get into the show before I go off the air at nine o'clock. Dave Baker and the Home Fix-It show literally kicked me out of the studio at that moment. Actually, at about 8.58, he shows no mercy. Uh, The weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing today. Cloudy with scattered rain showers. Wind gusts could reach as much as 30 miles per hour. A high of only 52. Windy showers, just kind of ugh, later in the day. And maybe morning rain, a little bit of a wintry mix for some of you tomorrow. High of 47. But the good news, drying out in the afternoon. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. And that was a group of about 75 middle schoolers from Mill Creek Middle School in Woodstock. Loved talking to those guys last year. Okay, number one, uh, pull the leaf litter out of the center of your low shrubs. When it's dry out there, pull the leaves out from those. Perennials, rows of Sharon hydrangeas, none of that is good 
uh, because it could rot the center of the plant and and welcomes insects that you don't want there. You may get surprised, like I did, when you start moving that stuff around, you see a little bit of new growth, like I did on my new abelias. Uh, Number two, you don't have to remove leaves before laying new mulch or pine straw. You can leave them. They're going to compost and add to the soil. Freshen up some of the garden beds now. Remove limbs, cut away dead leaves, and even expand the beds out if need be. And number three, if there are bare spots or thinning areas in your fescue lawn, you can seed in February and March, okay? Not the ideal time for a cool season grass that really likes the cool weather. The best time to do that's like September, October, but just for spots now. Aeration's always recommended just to break up that soil, make sure there's good seed to soil contact, and you have to keep the lawn watered consistently for germination. Once grass seed or any seed for that matter starts to germinate, it cannot be let to dry out. So you've got to set those timers, drag the hose out. I still have a feeling we're going to get plenty of rain. It needs about an inch a week. Uh, so just kind of monitor what the rain levels are. 404-872-0750. Up next is Jennifer Indicator. Good morning, Jennifer. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Great. Good to hear from you. Um, question. Yeah. We used to have mockingbirds quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen a mockingbird in years. Hmm. Did they move on or change areas? Or? Not that I've seen. No, I checked out uh, the... Um, Cornell Lab of Ornithology, see if they had any research done up there in the New York area and the Georgia Audubon Society here. And I haven't seen any stories about them being endangered or different migratory patterns. Um, and you're looking up, right? Of course, like at the power poles, utility lines, all that kind of thing. Well, see, we have a tree, uh, um, the uh, tulip tree. Yeah. And it's beautiful in the spring. But they used to habitat, uh, they used to uh, inhabit that in the build their nest and you could watch them chase the cats dive bomb and so (laughs) forth to protect their nest right it was most entertaining they are they really are and and they can be quite a nuisance too because when they sing their songs it can even be at night too they don't care (laughs) so you know but i don't know for years now i haven't seen them anymore well and so from what i understand too when they really start you know mating season and all of that the males especially are a lot more vocal but you have the females too who are a little bit more quiet but they really start singing more beginning around now as we approach spring like february through about august you know spring and summer for that mating time is when they're going to get a lot more vocal so maybe that's why maybe they're just quiet over the winter time you'll start to hear them and see them more now but I'm talking like last year. I didn't see any in the spring or anything. So huh. Yeah, I'll look a little bit in. It's an annual thing, so I don't know. Yeah. Okay. My, I'll, second, yeah. my second question is, how can I um, refurbish my uh, soil that's in pots? I, I have big pots, and over the years I've planted off and on in, in uh, the pots, and I want to refurbish the soil and reuse it. Do you have plants in there now? Um. Yes and no. Okay. I mean, easier done, you know, when there's no plant in there. Um, go to the nursery and maybe buy a small bag of mushroom compost. Um, if you have a little bit of manure, like black cow or something, a very small amount of that would do well in con- containers. But anytime you can think to add organic material, because you're absolutely right, we have to refresh soil in potted plants at least every two to four years, I would say, because the more you water, a lot of those nutrients leach out when the water comes out the bottom of the pot. So do it. It's best done, you know, so you're not disturbing the root system when there is no plant in there. Mushroom compost, good. Black cow manure, a very small amount, though, because that could get a little too uh, heavy for it. 
and I think you're, you'll be off to a good start, plus regular fertilization of the things that are growing in those pots when they're in active growth. Thank you, Jennifer, for the call. We'll be right back, stepping out for news, weather, and traffic on 95.5 WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. On 95.5 WSB. Started off the show talking about unwanted pests, our least favorite bug. I think the general consensus there was talking about cockroaches. And I'm still laughing at the fact that Hugh called and makes it a game, which is awesome, to catch roaches in the house. But the catching it in a paper cup, putting a piece of paper over it, and then nuking in the microwave, like I just can't. I can't get past that. I'm telling you. I mean, well, like, yeah, for obvious reasons. But they can they can survive an atomic bomb. I just didn't think that the microwave or boiling water would be enough to kill them. But, I mean, DeMarco, what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah no. you, you just don't even know. I, I don't think you can kill those things. I mean, I but without so physically harm, like, Squashing cr- them. you know, stepping on them. Yeah. Other than that, I think they just live forever. I think so, too. I mean, like, who is the oldest cockroach? Like, is he, like, 130 years old? They get so big, though. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing. And they scurry. Yeah, and they're fast. Yeah, I don't like things that scurry. I don't like them like that. No. No. I'm sorry to bring that back up, but I just, the microwave. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) What are we going to do? We've we've had all kinds of things on the show this morning. Uh, Roaches and microwaves, mockingbirds, uh, flying squirrels in the chimney. And I love it. I love the critter talk here. 404-872-0750. So the other critter... Started off talking about the uh, the barred owl that was in the Agnes Scott Library. Shut it down for almost a week. They got the guy out safely. He's back in the wild. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's probably quite relieved that he's out. The other critter story that was shared on WSB Radio this week was out of Santa Rosa, California. And a problem with a woodpecker stashing acorns, which of course is what they and squirrels do, right? They want to they stash those. But the pest control technician was called about a dead animal or what the homeowner thought was a dead animal in the walls. Once he started getting into the wall behind the sheetrock, just acorns started coming out of the hole that he cut in the wall. They thought something had died back there, brought in insects and stuff too, which probably wasn't good. Uh, So he first saw the handful of acorns coming out of the wall, but then the stash was a bit extreme. They found over 700 pounds of acorns. Like, that would bring the weight of the wall down, I would think. I hope this isn't a fake story. If we shared it on WSB Radio, it's not. Uh, But Santa Rosa, California, the work crew found some damage to the siding and the trim of the home. Well, no joke. Uh, Yeah, unbelievable. They poked holes in the chimney and the wood siding around it to store the acorns. And then maybe it just became a group effort or one really, really, really hungry woodpecker. They can hoard thousands of nuts in the wintertime. But stockpiling them all in one place... So, yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. The things that they do to our homes. Love them. Hate them. I don't know. (laughs) 700 pounds of acorns. That's really something. All right. Another critter story. Going to go down to Jonesboro and say good morning to Stuart. Hey, Stuart. Good morning. Got a a couple of them for you. Yeah. Two quickies. (laughs) Um, I was doing some maintenance on one of our cars and, uh, opened up the air filter and somewhat similar to the woodpecker in the acorn story, there were 123 acorns in the air filter. Wow. 
pretty sure it was a squirrel. But oh uh, my gosh, it, it it still amazes me. And the car ran. Oh yeah, yeah I didn't know. I mean, I had no clue that uh, they were even there. No noise, no loss in power, no no anything. Oh, and that squirrel saw you take like he was watching you from a distance. He saw you taking those acorns out. He was mad. I'm He's sure like, I he did was. all that work. <laughs> Now the other one is something um, I had never imagined, or even or seen, or heard of before. Um, you know those big yellow and black uh, Charlotte's Web garden spiders. Yeah, like orb weavers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had one that took up residence in our uh, rose garden, and uh, I just let it go. You know, let it do its thing. Mm-hmm. I came home from work one Thursday afternoon, and. In that web was a goldfinch, oh. and uh, the spider was had nothing to do with the bird. I mean, they, the spider was sitting there, and the bird was hanging there limp. Oh and no! I took the bird out of the uh, out of the web, held it in my hand for a couple minutes, and off it flew. Oh, I'm so glad. I wonder how long it would have taken for it to to die being trapped that long. You know, I'm glad you saw it. It was hanging upside down, even. <laughs> It just off it went. Now, if that wasn't enough, two days later, the exact same thing. The same kind of bird? Goldfinch. Oh, no. Man, maybe they're just on a mission. They're flying so fast, or they're just so determined as to where they're going, they're not paying attention. You know, I'd, I'd like to know if, if anybody's ever seen anything like that before, because I, mm-hmm. I certainly never have, never even heard of it. I mean, I've heard of hummingbirds, you know, because they're so small getting stuck in, in webs. But yeah, goldfinch is a decent size. Yeah. Well, yeah. when compared to a hummingbird. So, oh, I'm so glad you saved it. Yeah, and both of them just, you know, they took off after a couple minutes in my hand. They just, off they went. Well, and thank God the spider wasn't like, ooh, lunch. Like the spider was like, nope, that's too big. I don't want to tackle that. I think that's probably what happened. Yeah, <laughs> the spider's just waiting for the bird like, hey, you're kind of blocking my web here. Could you could you move on? <laughs> wow, good critter story, Stuart, especially with the air filter. Holy cow. <laughs> Well, thank you much. Enjoy your show. I'm glad you called. Thank you so much. That's excellent. 404-872-0750. Up to Buford, Gwinnett County we go. and Say good morning to Joseph. Hey there. Good morning. How are you? What's going on? Well, I've got a palm tree me and my, my roommate bought. It was, it's probably been about seven years ago. It's been a while. Because, you know, you go to Home Depot and you buy the Sago palm, which we did. That's mm-hmm. where we bought it was Home Depot. And we planted it. And now it's like a foot in diameter. Oh, yeah. It's really big. And it's probably about three foot high. As the December, you know, it got down to like nine. And I Googled it and it said 15 degrees. Mm-hmm. They could handle up to 15 degrees. But right. down at the bottom, where the bottom of the stick's coming out, they're still green. But everything else is completely brown on the top. Okay. Yeah, I'm seeing that a lot, too. Um, and the wind event that went along with that freeze certainly didn't help. The The leaves are just... They they just couldn't sustain the combination of it. Yeah, um, yeah. So when I've talked to Rick Smith, the pruning guru, he said if there's a if there's a few number of fronds, like you know maybe four, five, six, seven fronds, you could cut them off. They're dead. They're not coming back. Like those fronds don't you know become green again. So cut them off. But if there's a large number of fronds and it's pretty bushy, I would leave them just to insulate the rest of the plant because we are yeah, probably. It's big. Have, I mean, it's yeah. got. I'm looking at it right now. It's probably got forty. 
Okay. Of those prongs. Yeah. So in that case, it probably is best just to leave them for insulation purposes, protect the tree. What's I, I think it's alive. I really do. I'm, I'm not telling anybody yeah, to I'm give up. I'm looking at it now. Anything. Like I was telling you at the bottom, it didn't mean it interrupts it right down at the bottom of it. Uh-huh. Like two or three inches or four inches. It's yeah. green. Yeah. The whole bottom of it is green. Yeah. So, see, I think there's hope. But just let's be patient because there is a good chance. I mean, we could get another freeze as late as mid-April, which, fingers crossed, we're not going to. Um, but those yeah. leaves, though, they're very un- ugly and unsightly to look at. They are serving a purpose for insulation. Oh, yeah. So, no, no, no. I wasn't going to mess with it. That's what I'm saying. I told my roommate I'm not, not going to mess with it because <laughs> I, was born, I was born and raised in Panama City. And oh, that's where go. they palms are known in Panama City, Florida. You know, they, they like, I guess, because of the moisture in the air and, and you know, being around water Mm -hmm. they do a lot better than here yeah yeah and it's funny now a lot of the palms though i mean that's become such a a high demand item for folks in metro atlanta that you see windmill palms you see sago palms um, a lot more often than you ever used to our climate's becoming a little bit warmer right which can welcome those they're still not ideal not really suited for zone 7b which a lot of us in metro atlanta are in but given the right climate, the right protection, um, you know, shielding plants like that, when you want tropical plants in the landscape, you kind of got to consider your overall landscape location, um, protecting things like that from the northwest winds. Those are going to be the coldest winds that come in in the wintertime. And wind alone can be enough to damage a plant that really is used to a warmer climate, um, in addition to, you know, having to withstand cold temperatures and all, but the, but the research you did, Joseph, I've seen the same, that they can withstand and tolerate 14, 15 degrees, not for any sustained period of time, um, but the Christmas freeze could have been just long enough, being what it was, to have done some permanent damage on things, but just let it let it be, let it do its thing. I think you're telling your roommate the, the right thing, just kind of leave it and see what comes. And we need to be patient as gardeners. We still have another couple of months, depending on the plant, you know, we're seeing some new spring growth on some things now, like I mentioned on my abelia. I see the tea olive struggling to, to sprout back out, and it makes me so happy. But some of the other things are going to take a little bit longer, right, to see leaves on hydrangeas and things like that. Um, so I would say April is a fair time to wait to see what's going to come back, what's not. At that point, cut all that dead stuff off. Like I said, it's not going to turn green again. It's not going to come back. And then I think the palm will be fine. And then hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, we'll go another three, four years with no major winter event, you know, a snow or something from time to time. That's one thing. But just that really, really deep cold that we had, not quite used to that. So thank you for that, Joseph. Appreciate the call. 404-872-0750. Jonesboro's a hopping place this morning. Now we got Dave calling in. Hey, Dave. Hey, good morning. How are you today? Great. What's going on with you? Uh, I've got a question about vertical gardens. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, several questions. Okay. Um, um, limited mobility, so I can't really walk up and down stairs uh, without the aid of a walker or any sort of support. Uh, I was curious about an indoor herb vertical garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it obviously would require grow lamps, wouldn't it? Yep, yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, should I start from seed or um, already established plants from one of the big box retailers? You could honestly do either one. It just depends on your patience and your time. Um, I like starting from seed, and especially when you have a tower garden that you're maybe thinking about growing indoors, you have a lot more control over the moisture, over the lighting, and things like that. So you'll likely have success starting plants from seed. Um, But if you don't have the time and don't want to waste the next couple of months on that, wait until you can buy some plants from the big box store. 
any kind of vertical garden is going to do well. And I don't get any compensation for this. I don't get any pay for this, Dave. But mentioning uh, the brand name, Tower Garden. Like, have you seen that? No, I haven't. I, I just, I, it's kind of funny, actually. I was watching Sam the Cooking Guy out in California. And he's got a vertical garden in his backyard. and He's growing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's so many ways that we can get really uh, fancy and construct our own you know, vertical wall garden of some kind. But this tower garden is really, really cool where it's got fixtures for the lights. It's got its own water reservoir to keep you a little more honest about watering because it can maintain it. Um, Some of them can hold, I think, up to maybe 20 plants, a little larger one for the home, which would be quite, take up a lot of space, could hold up to 32 plants. So it really just depends. Um, I'd be curious to maybe like if you're on social media, just start looking up some some you know vertical type in vertical gardening whether it's on Instagram or Facebook or Google and see some ideas people have that maybe you can kind of make your own without the expense of buying a brand name like Tower Garden but lighting I mean it, people swear lighting is very important but they swear by different kinds different you know uh, fixtures and things like that I just use a shop light a fluorescent shop light and for me that's fine but if you're starting the plants from seed, you have to be able to adjust that light height to where that light is literally right on top of the soil and you're able to adjust the height of that light as the plants grow taller. And then if you have a great, you know, eastern facing window and you have the plants established. Yeah. So supplemental western. light's gonna be pretty important for you. Right. And even the, uh, the the lamps that, you know, like the floor lamps that come over and have maybe two or three bulbs on them. I mean, just putting that right up against something would be Fine too. Okay. Um, the water changing. How often does that have to be taken care of? Changing the water. Yeah. Did I mean do you, or you just let it go? Um, if there's some kind of movement, it would be fine. But if it's stagnant, like in a water reservoir or whatever, I would check it. I would just check it every now and then, mix it up a little bit, shake the fixture a little bit, just to kind of keep some circulation in there. But with these things, I think they have a pump because they have to pump the water up vertically. So in that case. You know, it's it's going to be circulating itself. But I wouldn't let stagnant water, if you just have it in a pot or a tray or something, I would never let stagnant water stay at any point, always introducing new water to the environment. I hope that answers some of the questions, Dave. And if you want, I can get your email address. and can get that for me, and I'll give you a little bit more information on what I know about vertical gardening and some uh, ideas that I've seen online that I don't have time to get into right now. But Boy, people are pretty crafty. I think you're well on your way. Uh, start thinking about starting seed now in the next week or two if that's what you want to do or hang out at the nurseries and start waiting for those plants to come in in March or April. Thanks for the call. We'll be right back. You're listening to WSB. It's taken two hours to increase by two degrees. Now 49 degrees in Midtown Atlanta. The complete uh, weather update for the weekend brought to you by Finley Roofing. Scattered showers and windy conditions today. Wind gusts could get up to 30 miles an hour. Only going to warm up to 52, a low of 36. And then still dealing with rain in the morning, a wintry mix. But all of that moving out by later in the day. A high of only 47. And then go figure. It's back to the 60s by Monday and sunny skies. Who knew? Green. Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. Welcome to the South. We have three or four seasons within a week, I tell you. Uh, number one, if there are bare spots or thinning spots in your fescue lawn, A, you may want to check and make sure that that uh, isn't where Fido keeps going to the bathroom. You may want to check that there's no 
really bad weed outbreaks in that spot or that it's not a low-lying area that's holding water. That could be why grass isn't growing. But you can certainly seed for fescue in February or March. You have to keep it watered once those seedlings start to germinate, maybe after about 10 days or less. Um, They have to stay watered. They cannot dry out. And aeration is always a good idea, whether you're doing it in the spring or the fall for fescue grass, breaking up that top layer of soil, making sure it's not compacted, and opening up those holes so that the seed can fall into that and come in contact with the soil. Number two, uh, you don't have to remove leaves or rake them to the side before laying new mulch or pine straw. Start to freshen up garden beds now and when it's dry. Uh, Remove the limbs, though, any kind of pine cones or debris. Cut away dead leaves and and get rid of those. Even expand the garden beds out if need be. And number three, pull leaf litter out of the center of low shrubs, perennials, rows of Sharon, hydrangeas. Those leaves just stay wet and soggy and could rot the center of the plant. We don't want that to happen. Uh, You may be surprised, like I was when I was removing the leaves with a gloved hand, of course. You never know if spiders are living in there. Uh, when I removed the leaves from brand new little abelia that I just planted in the fall. And there's new growth. The center of it looked dead. The leaves had fallen out because of the Christmas freeze. And there's new growth in it. So that may be really refreshing to remove the leaf litter. Uh, Coming up, I want to share with you an opportunity for you to hang with me for the afternoon, meet a couple of my friends, learn a little something, eat pizza. It's going to be a really fun opportunity. And I wouldn't be able to offer these opportunities if it weren't for the great, great people that I've gotten to know doing this show for three years. Some wonderful, fantastic people in the industry that have just been a huge help to me and now want to be of help to you. And maybe you can come visit me later on today in Marietta. I'll tell you where I'm going to be next when we come back for Hour 3 of Green and Growing right here on WSB. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.